Hello, friends. Welcome to the eighth house of astrology, ruler of occult, magic, mystery, and truth. Join me, Sarah, a developing psychic medium with a scientific mind, and my good friend Eliza, a tarotist and thanatologist, as we explore through the lens of the tarot the healing hidden within the deepest and sometimes the darkest corners of the human experience. So we are celebrating the purple one, Prince. (laughs) (laughs) So he's like my mother and eyes just glue. And Mm. that was just when he passed, I was devastated. It was actually like the last thing, the last loss that caused me to decide to go into thanatology because I, Mm. for some reason... Um, it's not like a crush or a star thing. It is a profound spiritual connection that I have mm. to Prince's work. So it's, since it is his birthday, June 7th, that is Gemini. I'm a Gemini. Um, and I think the Gemini is just it's like mercurial, you know, mm-hmm. So really to understand the card today, we are doing the lovers, but we started it out with Prince because not only is he a Gemini who the card, you know, the lovers is associated with Gemini, the sign Um, Prince is all the things that the lovers and the Mm -hmm. sign sort of embody. So that is why we kind of took it in that immediate direction because I'm really excited about his birthday. And um, okay, so it is a six, which that's why I thought was interesting that it's been six years since Prince left us. Um, So the lovers, you know, I I usually do the conventional card, the Rider-Waite-Smith image. And so talking about how it's a segue from in the fool's journey So the last card was the Hierophant, which can be seen as a priest. And so in a way, it's like, if we go along the fool's journey, that is the Hierophant is marrying the two lovers in the card. That's what you see. You see um, two people joining in marital union um, performed by a Hierophant type symbol. So I always think that's neat how they kind of go in a sequence. Yeah. Um, But also how we've talked about how, you know, basically the magician. So if we take the fool, the magician is the conception. The high priest is the womb, the mother and father, the empress and the emperor. The hierophant is the first introduction into outside of the family. And then six, the lovers is not really just two people joining. It is so much more than that. And that's why Gemini comes into it. Um, And you being a twin, I hope you can speak to this too. Um, It is sort of the joining of two things to make a whole. Um, It could be the dark and the light, the the subconscious and the conscious, Um, you know, the, the two sides of the same entity. So it's like a mirror almost. Um, But it's the first time that the fool discovers self and realizes that there's either 
a self to join with another or a self to be separate from others. So it's this whole like, yeah, like autonomy, like I have self actualization, I can decide. And so that's another big association with it. In some systems, it means choice. So it's like this or that it's a polar opposite. It's a crossroads. We've talked about um, like authority, you know, Mm -hmm. having that sovereignty authority within yourself to where you can call the shots and make decisions. And then I think it's different because self in a way that's like only I can choose for myself. Similar to the concept of, I keep thinking of Pisces, how the fish are like pulling something in different directions, but I think of it more as like the yin and yang symbol, mm-hmm. you know, like it's just two, two parts of the same thing and they're not in conflict. The same reason I don't really like reversals in cards because um, I think Gemini's in particular can see all sides and see all perspectives. And so they don't mm-hmm. understand the whole thing of, you know, why would people condemn you for changing your mind? It's like, what? Mm-hmm. That, that's the best thing you could do. <laughs> like, right. The foolish yeah. consistency is the hobgoblin of little minds or whatever that quote is. <laughs> I don't yeah. know that one. Um, I'll have to look that one up. It's like. Um, it's like the energy of choice itself, almost like if, if choice exists, then yeah. there has to be other, there has to be yes. something else. Right. Okay. Right. And talking about Prince, mm-hmm. I think kids of the eighties, um, us Gen Xers, we came along at just a really cool time when music and fashion and pop culture was so, um, pushing androgyny and how just like Prince was a symbol. And that is why I sent you that clip. Cause I'm not a woman. I'm not a man. I'm something that you'll never understand. Mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. I just think he was really ahead of his time with, mm-hmm. with saying something and, like that. And uh, as a photographer too, it's like I could always see negatives easily mm-hmm. because I could see, where the white was black and the black was white or the, you know, so it's like this constant Mm -hmm. um, opposites complementing each other and they're, they're necessary, you know, Mm -hmm. like the dot in the yin and yang is the opposite Mm -hmm. of itself on both sides. Like, right. And it's all there. Thinking about thinking about the moon, you know, like it got broken off in a huge collision and then eventually becomes the thing that yeah. allows there to be life on earth. So like we had to have this uh, spectacular collision in order to right. have balance. I'm not really sure that fits with what we're talking about. No, know. that's a great point. When I studied um, Eastern religions in my minor uh, in college, um, world religions was my minor. Um, I have a book that was based on um, Krish- Krishna and Radha. And mm-hmm. they are the perfect lovers because um, mm. they, this book, Love Song of the Dark Lord, it talks all about their union. And that, that was, uh, that's a lot like what Prince talks about is like, the, um, I mean, it is the lovers for goodness sake. It's definitely about, um, here's an example, fusion in the mm-hmm. physics deck. Mm-hmm. I mean, 
I do think of magnets when they are so they're mm -hmm. both of equal strength and they repel mm -hmm. each other. So it's impossible for them to fuse. Um, and then there's another, so androgyny, but also hermaphroditism. Mm -hmm. Do you know the myth behind that? I'm not sure I do. Um, it, so, so Hermes and Aphrodite mm -hmm. fell in love in the Greek myth and Aphrodite did not want to be parted from him. So she asked the mirror or the um, reflection of the pond they were gazing in together or whatever. She said, I don't want to be apart from this person or this soul or whatever. And so, uh, I can't remember if it was their son they conceived in this way. Yeah, it had to have been because their son is the hermaphrodite, the original hermaphrodite. That's where we get the word because Hermes mm. and Aphrodite, and it was mm -hmm. both of them together in one body with both sex organs. So mm. that was another thing I looked into was um, the indigenous peoples, the, the two spirit, which mm -hmm. I'm sure you've heard of that. So mm -hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to read this little passage from the guardian, October, 2010, many native American religions, rather than stigmatizing such persons often look to them as religious leaders and teachers back to the hierophant, um, mm -hmm. rather than the physical body, native Americans emphasized a person's spirit or character as being most important instead of seeing two spirit persons as transsexuals who try to make themselves into the opposite sex, it is more accurate to understand them as individuals who take on a gender status that is different from both men and women. This alternative gender status offers a range of possibilities from slightly effeminate males or masculine females to androgynous to transgender persons. The emphasis of Native Americans is not to force every person into one box, but to allow for the reality of diversity in gender and sexual identities. Two-spirit people were respected by Native societies, and it's in the past tense because this has been going on for however long there were these people. Um, the term was coined in 1990, so it's, you know, obviously studied by Eurocentric people, but um, it's just such a cool concept. They were respected by Native societies, not only due to religious attitudes, but also because of practical concerns. Because their gender roles involved a mixture of both masculine and feminine traits, two-spirit persons could do both the work of men and women. They were often considered to be hard workers and artistically gifted of great value to their extended families and community. So I just want to say like sort of a disclaimer, like it is definitely um, an indigenous people's right to use that word. So any other, like we're not um, proclaiming to uh, interpret that in white talk, you know, um, in our own culture. So, but I just love, I love the concept. And I think it's from what I read, it, it's not like a, they don't think of it as a gender identity or a sexual identity. It's like, I like the fact that it's not talking about the parts, the body parts that they might or might not have. And they mm -hmm. trust that the person, even though they're not calling it, I identify as whatever gender, um, there's like at least five genders that they believe they could be, or mm -hmm. at least in several tribes. Um, I'm sure 
it's just a way of thinking where everything is fluid and it's not rigid. It's not like, okay, I have to pick. And so I think the harm was done when they were, you know, forced into context and settings where we, uh, white people force them to choose. And again, with choice, you don't have to choose, you know, you're born and you feel these ways and, and you, experience not not even just identify but you experience what you experience and you you don't have to feel as though you know you have to resign yourself to this one type of living your life um and i just love that their communities were open to like wow you're a gifted unique person and soul because of these qualities you're not bad and out of place and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful, mm-hmm. beautiful way to think of it. Mm-hmm. It's, it'd be interesting to know, you know, whether the um, parents or elders of the community, like at what age do you recognize this aspect of the spirit yeah. or the energy of this person? So earlier um, you mentioned that the Hierophant was marrying the lovers in the traditional Mm-hmm. card and it makes me think we talked a little bit um about the hierophant being or symbolizing sort of um a structure of what would you say belief i feel like structure is more emperor mm-hmm. and i feel okay. like hierophant is more traditional like more of the convention it's more of a concept okay that you're well, coming I- into yeah, yeah, they're I mean, very similar. It's like well, we, they kind of segue off each other. It's like the hierophant, like the fact that he's represented as the one performing the ritual mm. of you. Ah, yes, yes. So it's like, yeah, he represents the actual ritual or the actual, yeah, um, structure well, to the thing that brings. Yeah. So, stru- so together. like traditional institutions is a structure, but it's also a concept. Right. right. So Where the emperor might be like the physical aspects of that structure. Yeah. The, the, or like um, maybe how he acts on that thinking or, and then the, the hierophant represents more of like conventions, um, traditions, mm-hmm. institutions. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. So it's a larger scale like, so you leave yeah. the home and it's like society, you know, right? society structures. Okay. And so. And religious structures. Yeah. Well, I was going to say for those of us who don't adhere to any religious <laughs> yeah. beliefs. I think that's why I had a problem with when we were talking about the Hierophant, I just could not grasp it. And it's mm-hmm. funny because my husband and I keep having hierophant discussions because he grew up religious and he's definitely questions it. And it's not like, he's like, we must follow this dogma and the scripture that I was taught. It's, it's comforting to him. And he realizes he can look outside of it and it's put into words, you know, like the life of Christ and Christ-like values. And, and so a lot of the time he talks about like the hypocrisy of so-called Christians and that they are not living in a Christ-like way, you know? Um, when I, and I don't necessarily not believe in Christ either. I just see him as a right. human being just like exactly me, who um, you know, yeah. is able to accomplish this and that. Right. Part. 
if you look at different religions, there's so many parallels, like there's Lao Tzu in in Taoism. I think I gravitate towards Eastern religions because they're more like philosophies. There's not someone you worship. You're not worshiping Buddha. You're not worshiping Lao Tzu, um, who wrote the Tao Te Ching. Mm -hmm. They all talk about just be, you know, moral behaviors. And I think this is tying in nicely with the lovers and the segue between the Hierophant and the lovers, because I think the traditional value is you need someone to teach you how to connect with another, how to find this sacred union. And that is what I revolted against in the Hierophant. I was like, no, 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 you don't teach me. I learn myself. Yeah. For those of us that don't have any particular container of religious belief, like what are the, what are the rituals that the Hierophant is joining us with, you know, Mm -hmm. like, if the Hierophant is marrying the lovers who represent, you know, wholeness, like it must be, then it must be performing something pretty important. Mm -hmm. But I don't really think of that, the act of being the officiant as being like that necessary. So again, I'm not understanding what the hell. Me too. I know. I know. (laughs) Me too. So I like how you have structured our conversations by labeling them. I am the such Mm -hmm. and such, Mm -hmm. because we are always talking about archetypes that the tarot presents and how we can take that archetype on and see where that is in ourselves. And so if we ended up doing that, even if we don't feel like we did, we did pretty well discuss how we are the hierophant. We teach ourselves, we are our own guide to esoteric knowledge and spirituality. Mm-hmm. And so if we go back to that fool's journey and we go, okay, I am the Hierophant and then come into the lovers as I am whole. And this is why I want to talk about Gemini and why I want you to talk about having a twin. Cause mm-hmm. I think Gemini's whole thing is that they are looking for other But then the learning, so it's kind of blended in with the Hierophant. The learning is, it comes when you realize, ah, it's me, you know, it's in me, it's the higher self and you grow to meet that higher self and you're connected and whole in yourself because you cannot be in a love relationship unless you have that with within. That's so great. So anyway, the fool is associated with Uranus. Sometimes it's a planet, sometimes it's a sign. So the majors each have one, and then the minors are kind of different, and the aces and the pages are different. So when we get to the suits, I definitely plan to like break that down a little better. But for now, as far as what we've talked about, Uranus, the fool, um, magician, which may be why he's a little bit like the lovers, is the magician is. Hermes or Mercury, the messenger of the gods. And like, you know, if someone's mercurial, they're like lightning fast and like manifestation Mm -hmm. and all that stuff. And so that is the sign that rules Gemini. Um, So then we have, and it's not in order or anything. That's that's what kind of makes it difficult. So then um, high priestess is the moon and Pisces, I believe. And the Empress is Venus. 
you know, she's Aphrodite herself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the emperor is associated with Aries and Mars, very forceful and masculine. And the Hierophant is associated with Taurus, Mm -hmm. which doesn't quite click for me. So I guess that's why I didn't talk about it very much. Mm-hmm. But I guess I could see, you know, it's an earth sign and it's like stable. Mm-hmm. So it's a five, which kind of throws me off because fives are four is supposed to be stable in the tarot and nu- numerology, you know, because mm-hmm. a four sided object, but fives represent like a challenge. So maybe the Hierophant, I don't personally see Taurus and Hierophant as being very similar. Maybe um, um, maybe it's within the permeability of the structure, like you know maybe in the hierophant like there's structure, but it's more of a an idea of structure that we need to know when to mm, break open mm. a wall and when to you know let people in and um, yeah change the structure a little bit. It's like being I don't know. I'm just thinking yeah. maybe. Like I love Taurus. I just, I don't really see the parallel that well. So, Mm -hmm. so now if I look at the lovers as just, you know, this perfect union, da, 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 boring, like to me, the lovers is more resonates with this part of me that is deeply Gemini, Geminian. I have like almost my entire chart in Gemini and Mm. I just really resonate with the, um, that's why I wanted to read this passage because, all right. So this is from Linda Goodman's star signs. Just the introduction to Gemini. I took some paragraphs. Gemini is the sign of the twins and there are two distinct sides to his changeable personality. Now you see it. Now you don't. Was it love? You thought you caught fleetingly on those mobile features, hate, ecstasy, intelligence, idealism, sorrow, joy, The mercurial changes of a Gemini's expression are as fascinating to watch as psychedelic lights in a discotheque. It's hard to tell where reality ends and illusion begins. They blend, then they separate. Knowing where to look for this versatile creature requires a little forethought. He may be in one place today, somewhere else tomorrow. Suddenly, too. A Gemini can change his clothes, his job, his love life, or his residence as fast as he changes his mind. And that's pretty fast. (laughs) This was written in the 70s, I think. Um, Finding a good example to study may keep you hopping. You could try a bookstore. He's a browser because he can get the gist of contents in a brief scanning of the pages. It's no accident that John F. Kennedy was a speed reader, also a Gemini. Mercury people also have that nasty habit of reading the last page first, which I definitely do. <laughs> this is all describing me too. What's up with that? Well, you Can have Gemini. In, you had Gemini in your um, your uh, North Node, which means that okay. is who you need to learn from in this lifetime. Oh, so. okay, cool. <laughs> hey, <laughs> that's you. <laughs> when you oh, and that's where, and it's in the eighth house. That's what you had in the eighth house. So, oh, so it's going to yeah, present some challenges for me. Okay. Right. Okay. Well, the eighth house isn't necessarily right, right, right. challenges. It's like, um, it's just those deeply hidden secret things. Um, mm, mm-hmm, so it's mm-hmm. very different from Gemini. So maybe that's the challenge you mean. It's like those two energies are really like, whoa. Uh-huh. Um, 
A Gemini will sometimes appear to light near you like an inquisitive bird, survey the scene with excited curiosity, then dart off in a different direction almost before you can say hello. There is a deep-seated need in all Gemini people to disguise their true motives. This is really interesting. Like the Pisces, they feel a compulsion to behave in a way exactly opposite of their real desires. But this amazing Gemini versatility and facility of speech makes them terrific politicians, not to mention experts in the field of human relationships. A Gemini knows how to swerve you from your most stubbornly held convictions. Remember that day you didn't want to record? (laughs) (laughs) He can twist you like a pretzel with his mental karate, get you to agree with him and love him for doing it to you. But if trouble develops, he knows instinctively just where your skeletons are buried in your closet, and he can use his fast mind and clever tongue to rattle those bones dangerously. They hesitate to put their thoughts on paper because they instinctively know that what they believe today, they may not believe tomorrow. Totally. <laughs> I love that. And they don't want to be committed in writing. <laughs> I love that. I know. Few, that's why that's why I love androgyny, ambiguousness, just like mm-hmm. both. Okay, mm-hmm. both. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> deep inside his searching, impatient nature, the Gemini seeks an ideal, and his chief problem is in recognizing what it is. It could be anything since his imagination knows no bounds. Mm-hmm. The air is his element and his real home. He's a stranger to earth. Gemini can charm a bird right out of a tree and give it five new songs to sing, but the restless mercurial mind can too easily overlook the bluebird of happiness waiting wistfully year after year in his own backyard. The cold metal of mercury divides Gemini with twin desires until he stops and waits and listens to his own heartbeat. Wow. So I like that like inertia is probably my biggest fear, not moving. And it, it's, it's all up. It's in my mind. It's not like, I don't love traveling at all. I want to, um, I don't want to be confined in my thoughts. Mm-hmm. So it can change dependent on like my interests change or, um, you know, the context changes or the circumstances. Well, or I guess it also speaks to the belief that we have, multiple selves inside of us yeah which is what archetypes are so yeah it really just depends on which part is the one seeking something right it's so convoluted it's hilarious (laughs) (laughs) you are gemini because i'm looking at i wish everyone could see your face making these quizzical expressions (laughs) while you ponder i would love for you to share some twin stuff um because there's a reason that the the lovers our name are Gemini and Gemini is the twins. That is the symbol that represents that astrological sign. So the twins, if we kind of parallel the lovers and the twins, the twins are this ideal of two sides of the same coin, you know, usually in fiction and pop culture, there's like the good twin and the bad twin or, you know, like, um, (laughs) yeah, I don't know. So I just thought as a twin, it would be incredible to hear some of your ideas about that. Yeah. I mean, you know, obviously all, all twins experience twins ship differently, but like, 
I mean, from the very, you know, beginning, we were just always supportive of each other, never competitive with each other. And if we were competitive, it was all in good fun, you know? Um, so maybe as you're describing it, we can think about how all of us have this unconditional love towards ourselves, mm -hmm. like, like your twin does for you right. and vice it's, versa. I, I think it's easier to remember that when you have someone, a to real reflect person. It. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so teach us wise one. Yeah. I mean, it's, I don't know if it's, you know, it's one of those things where it's just something, you know, versus something that you can explain. It, I mean, would it be it, like when Izzy pretty, was sorry, <laughs> when my daughter was doing therapy and I would go with her, um, her counselor suggested because, you know, it was cognitive behavioral therapy where you're changing your flawed thinking, dysfunctional thinking that was really, really impacting her towards depression and anxiety. And she, I remember she said to, you know, list out some statements that she said to herself mm -hmm. and, and then they were so negative, like negative self-talk and like mm -hmm. a loop. And so mm -hmm. her counselor said, so you've shared that you love children, you know, like, so imagine you're with this child. Would you ever say that to that child, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And so pretend like you're the child mm -hmm. and what would you say to yourself and start practicing like a loving way of talking to yourself. So I, I'm imagining it's a little like that with a twin, like you. Yeah. It was just like, like I said earlier, just a super safe place to return to, to like remind me of what's important. And I've heard it said before, um, everyone should have a truth teller, whether it's a best friend. So it was truthful. It wasn't necessarily just loving. It was always informed oh. by gosh yeah. yeah yeah okay so like someone who knows you so that when they can tell you're not being quite yourself they can recognize that and this is so true like even if i'd never found a romantic partner to be with forever i would still know what it felt like to be loved completely it doesn't have to come from you know a lover like, right right and then that like, is i could have been so... happy like i could have lived my life yeah i think knowing fully what what love is and i think obviously being in an intimate relationship with other it's it, it is different it is different but the potency of the lessons yes i don't think are different right you know obviously i'm getting... and that's why this card can apply to any situation like right. i just want to point out that our um our logo is my lover's card it's two yes. moths and i feel like it's us I feel mm -hmm. like we are partners and mm -hmm. we are mirrors for each other and reciprocal and I love that. Um, yeah. So I just think it's fitting that. Yeah. Yeah. And you can get like, well, I want to further challenge it and say that I think that you can also get it within yourself and right. you're, I mean, that's where you were blessed with that. You had that to practice and get that, um, equip you with that, um, wholeness, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, and for me, I always 
felt different. So I think it challenged me to look within and look within and look within until I realized it's all about me and my experience. And so that would be a lover's experience where you come into yourself and go, ah, even though I'm separate from otherness, I am whole within myself. Mm -hmm. And it Mm -hmm. just, you know, whatever it is I want to achieve or an ideal I want to attain or live by, or, you know, Mm -hmm. self-actualization, that is the lover's card. Being intimate, intimate, meaning completely vulnerable, exposing all aspects of yourself to be accepted by another or to be rejected by another or to be because we have no idea what's going to happen once share something with someone else um making the decision to be intimate with other like that is an active choice so maybe that's where choice comes totally that's Um, that is so accurate yeah i remember when you and i first started talking you there was a lot of you know, about doing this was there was a lot of in relation. In fact, you told me there was a whole program. You sent me like the a person that you went to does a whole thing on re- relation, being in relation. With oh, yes, exactly. Things yes. in life. Yep. I'll, I'll just plug her because it's amazing. Her name is Michelle Marks and she is of Temple Love Yoga in Tucson and she holds couples retreats. Mm. Um, lovers lovers and just learning the art of relating because it's it's what we're here to do and it's complex and it's hard it is very hard and intimacy is it's it's i'm guarded about it yeah yeah i'm so super i read that extreme independence is a trauma response and i feel like because i always felt like no one understood me. I had to do it myself. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the trauma just being being bullied about being weird or different mm-hmm. my whole life. And then just feeling like I don't know how to ask for things. I don't know how to communicate my feelings. I don't, you know, and just this whole way of being that's like, I just want to keep it all inside. I just, you know, I'll, I'll tell my other twin that, (laughs) like it said, you know, like, but Mm -hmm. I don't want to let that out. Like that's Mm. too much, like, because I might change my mind and there's nothing I hate more than being told. Yeah. But you said this and I'm like, Oh, I should have never said anything because now I'm exposed. Like I said that sure. But now I think something different. Now I have to go back and like explain that. Like another hate being questioned. Yeah, I know. Another one of my um, most favorite teachers, Sarah Powers, calls that um, selfing, like when someone selfs us, decides who they think we are in this moment. Exactly. It's a lot like gaslighting, it sounds like. Yeah, it's I mean, it's assuming the person that you're having lunch with today is the same person they were two years ago or even five minutes ago. Sarah Powers says, (laughs) I have to say I'm you know, you, you meditate and you release, you let go, you start mm-hmm. fresh, you start anew. You're not the same person you were two minutes ago. That's why I love photography. So, Every millisecond, mm, it's a different light, you know? That's really what we're doing when we're committing. You, I was laughing to myself because I thought about <laughs> when I was little, I was always different characters. Talk about being more than one person inside me. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, I, that's what I was trying to say was like the versatility actually makes it harder to relate because you don't know which part of you it's like there's competing ideas to like which way do I want to portray this thought or like how do I want to come across with that um so it's not like you know Geminis get accused of lying a lot like oh you can't trust them they're fickle they're da 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 and it's because the mercurial mind is so changeable at any minute and then for me at least i am aware of that and it makes me feel bad about myself like i'm harming people and i just don't think that's right that's not the intention and it's not Mm -hmm. what's actually happening but that's how it comes across to people you're making that up you're lying you know i've gotten that constantly right and I think well, it's just part of sorry, there's so that. many perspectives and I am juggling them all like, you know, right. Well, that's and it's only, you know, it's our job to to let go of the mm-hmm. idea that we have any say in how they see us or whatever, <laughs> how they land. <laughs> that's the ego yeah. saying like, um, well, you should care what they think and you should right. defend I mean, your your thoughts or your opinion some of the things I've said or done and I'm like, Oh man, I really hope that person doesn't think that's how I am still. Yeah. Yeah. Our um, reactions are not necessarily our true selves. Yeah. I think the Gemini's versatility and the shape shifting. um, I'm not saying like this is the lover's card or it is, but it's definitely Gemini. So I'm just trying to make the connection to the lover's card that as a Gemini, um, some of the difficulty in relating comes from competing. It's like there's competing ideas to like, which way do I want to portray this thought or like, how do I want to come across with that? Um, So a few minutes ago, I was thinking about when I was little and I had all these characters I would be (laughs) and how they change. (laughs) I had a Gemini best friend who lived next door. Um, She would knock on the door to play with me this was in Rochester and she would knock on the door and say, kind of scared, like, cause I was always changing roles and she would say, who is Eliza today? Oh my God. <laughs> Before no she way. would play with me. <laughs> cause she knew oh I was always like God. someone different. <laughs> and that I would like so make up funny. characters and I would like, I was surely so the helping cute. bunny. <laughs> I would dress up in a bunny hat and put on boots and I was surely the helping bunny. Um, (laughs) And sometimes I was Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman, and sometimes um, Holly, Holly from Land of the Lost was a big one. I don't know if you know that show. I wonder if the if your friend was just like excited to know which one you would be that day. I think know? she was like nervous because I <laughs> would react. She's the only one that knows. No, I am <laughs> such and such today. I would get really insulted and mad if they couldn't tell who I was. So <laughs> she was just smart to ask ahead of time. Oh, that is hilarious. <laughs> so we'll see you guys next time then. And so next yeah. time we're doing the last card of the first leg of the fool's journey, which is the chariot. Um, Mm -hmm. And then that is sort of like taking the self actualization or the, the first realization of the young person as a self into 
mobilizing it. And so the chariot is then okay. Like when they get their driver's license and if we're looking at it from like a, um, you know, a, a person's experience, that's their adolescence or young adulthood where they go out and venture out on their own. And that's, so that'll be the chariot. So it's like taking okay. what, what's discovered in the lover's archetype and card and messages to that. Okay. Well, now I'm going to go out and do this. Yeah. Ultimately, all of this that we're talking about is boils down to love and what that means. <laughs>